This is Victor Miller of Beach Business Speaks, only heard on Beach Booster Radio, where I am vocal for local business. Now, let's get on with the show. Joining me today is uh, Jim Shaw and Paul McKenzie from Georgian Mowers Property Maintenance and Landscaping. You're an all-seasons lawn, gardening, landscaping, property maintenance professionals, and you're located in Wasega Beach, correct, guys? That's right. Welcome on board, guys. Thank you. Thanks for getting in here on your very busy schedule. I know you're really rolling here. Your phone number is 705-331-6941. And uh, Jim, your uh, website. Website is www.georgianmowers.com. And email address is georgianmowers at gmail.com. Great. Thanks, guys. We're going to repeat all this again at the end of the show. First off, you've been in business for five years now. Yes, and it's uh, been a very, very uh, fast pace five years, I can tell you that much. Yeah, you've had a 300% increase in the last two years. When I first started up Georgia Mowers, uh, again, five years ago, plan was certainly to grow steady, grow slowly, and, and grow comfortably, uh, grow securely. And over the last two-year time period, there truly has been a fi- uh, 500, no, 300% uh, increase in... You'd like to see the 500. I know, I know. I'll, I'll yeah. get there. I'll hit there. Um, and 90% of that actually is is now through a direct referral from present clientele. So uh, that's, uh, as we all know, the best type of advertising you can get. And clearly it shows that uh, I'm doing something right anyway. You certainly are. Okay, you're not just cutting lawns, guys, here. Uh, you guys are, you're certified in landscaping and property maintenance. Your landscaping is certified from Delaware, and you did this in 2004. That is correct. Yes, it was an absolutely wonderful program, uh, completed within a six-month time period and without going into great detail. It was uh, quite extensive and uh, various exams had to be written. Okay, and you did it well. Um, I've seen some of your work, so I, I know what you're what you're what you're all about when it comes to landscaping. Okay. Thank you for mentioning. Uh, now let's get into some of this, guys. Uh, you've got spring summer services. You do mowing. Um, how short should a lawn a lawn be like? There's a, a point like we shouldn't have it too short or too long. Like, what's the, what's the deal here? Well, basically, the vast majority of my clients, through my own recommendation, keep it at about a, a two and a half to a three inch cut height. And the reason for that basically is aesthetically, it looks better than having it any longer. And if you're cutting your lawn any shorter than two and a half inches, the root source underneath the soil is only ever going to be as strong as what it needs to be to support what's above the ground. So if you're cutting your lawn any less than two and a half inches, your root system is not going to be all that stable and secure. And when you get into drier times or dry, oh, so the longer the the longer the lawn, the the the, 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 the longer the root. Exactly. Yeah. So that would be less watering then for us too, wouldn't it? Exactly. Yes. Um, just to, to interrupt for one second, begging. Do, should I have to beg my lawn cuttings like every time I cut the lawn, every week, or what do you recommend? Not every time, no. The clippings that actually go into your lawn as they decompose, it's a great nitrogen source for your lawn. And nitrogen, just like in fertilizers, is excellent for lawn color, the depth of the green, depending on the type of grass you actually have, and for quick growth. So nitrogen is, is, is a good thing, and, and the decomposing clippings give you that. Having said that, on any of my own properties, I always bag the clippings every fourth mow, and that's so that you don't get too much thatch development oh, okay. building up on top of the soil, right. because too much thatch can also run into problems in itself, yeah. Okay, uh, give us some rates, so. 
Sure. Um, uh, lowest rate you'll ever get out of me at Georgia Mowers here is $30 per mow. And that's because your property size is... <laughs> <laughs> that's because your property size is 3,000 square feet or smaller. Right. And then for every additional 1,000 square feet, say if your property size is 4,000 square feet, it's an extra $10, 40 bucks. If it's 5,000 square feet, it's 50 bucks. Now, having said that, I've got my maintained properties that are like seven acres where obviously Obviously, there's a special deal worked out because right. we worked it out on a square footage basis. You've got seasonal contracts too, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And people can so, pay like a monthly with yeah, post data checks, things with, like that? With, Make it easy? With seasonal contracts, what I do is we work out typically in the early spring what it is they want to have done throughout the course of any one season. We'll add up that total figure, whatever it may be. And then most clients really appreciate the fact that I allow them to write, say, four or five checks throughout the course payable say first of may first of june first of july first of august make it nice and comfortable you know make it easy for on them and uh, it actually makes it easier for for me as well uh, if right. only for budgeting purposes right okay you've got three on staff right um yeah right right now full-timers and an extra part-timer yes students Yes, yes, absolutely. And then and then even aside from that over the years, and I know they're, they're still available when I need them, uh, a couple of additional subcontractors as well. Okay. But, um, yeah, Paul, who again is with me here today, is, mm-hmm. uh, is one of my present full-timers. Nice and, to see he's uh, quiet for a change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Can you talk, talk about topsoiling and soil testing. You do soil testing. I do. Why yes. do you do that? The reason for soil testing, and and first off, I'll I'll take samples uh, probably in two different areas of a lawn. uh, If there is such an area that looks like it would be the worst area, that's where I'll take it from. And the reason is it'll give me an idea as to what the lawn's present pH balance, which is power of hydrogen, uh, what its present nitrogen level is, phosphorus level, potassium, and then phosphorus, which is gallium level. And then once I've got those figures, I'll know what type of fertilizer, if fertilizing needs to be done at all, and chances are it should be. Oh, so um, that's the that's the reasoning behind doing the soil testing. Yeah, you, you don't... To you determine don't, what kind of fertilizer to use. Exactly. Okay. You just don't want to be throwing down any kind of fertilizer. If you've already got a high nitrogen content in your uh, in your soil um, aka with the grass clippings when you get into that season if you're throwing down say fertilizer that is a, a 30 or a 35 nitrogen content it's apt to burn your grass it's too much nitrogen and, and too much of a good thing isn't always a good thing I mean it can be a bad thing so, so, so people out there that are not doing cell testing aren't really buying the right fertilizer. Uh, and when it comes to buying fertilizer, I'm, I've never been one to uh, worry a whole lot about any one brand name. There's there's a couple of big brand names out there that I, if I were to mention them, which I won't, no. everybody would know them and there's no doubt about it. But what I like to do is I'm, I'm more of a numbers guy and when I actually know what uh, what percentage of nitrogen and phosphorus and, and uh, potash, which again is your, your calcium, uh, um, is required for an individual lawn, then I, I mix up fertilizer. Like I'll, I'll take brand A and brand B and mix them together at a 70 30 percentage just so I know I've got the exact content I want for that specific property. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, most people uh, really don't do that. Uh, top sowing. When should I top sow? 
Um, if need be, uh, again, if uh, in Wasaga Beach, I mean, we certainly have a lot of sand content, and and after that, you know, you dig down three feet in Wasaga, and you're probably going to hit a little bit of clay as well. So it's not really the the most uh, nutritious of, of soils that we have here. So topsoiling uh, on on somewhat of a regular basis is probably a good idea. If you are topsoiling smaller areas and you're using bagged product, then chances are that bagged product would be a pass product so uh, uh, weed seeds in that product uh, really wouldn't be that much of a concern if you're uh, topsoiling larger areas you're probably having it tracked in and even though it could be a filtered topsoil uh, you're still probably going to get a higher percentage of weed seedlings in that so you just, just might have to be a little bit more uh, diligent when you start seeing weeds sprouting up mm-hmm. um, and then if you've got open topsoil uh, that is just laying there say if you're you know maybe seeding or something like that. I'm just going to ask you about the seeding then. Okay, so we do the seeding then. Yeah, yeah but, but if you've got open topsoil laying on top of the ground, that in itself is really, really susceptible to uh, airborne uh, weed seeds, you know. Um, all it takes is a little bit of weed seed to, to hit your soil and, uh, and, and you're going to have a problem, right? So um, uh, initially when, when you said uh, seeding, seeding uh, is, is very inexpensive to do there's no doubt about that but if you're trying to create a new lawn um, and you are able to afford to do sodding I would recommend that over actually seeding and the reason for that is uh, it, it's it's already there aesthetically it looks uh, better faster okay no so, so let's slow down a little it's, bit go backwards a little bit here so we got two options we can topsoil and seed and then maybe overseed Correct, Paul? You were talking about that earlier? Yes, yes. Okay, so that'll give me a thick lawn. Or, if that's not working, you're recommending sodding. Yes, and, okay. and, and most of it will depend on, on a budget. And uh, right. the, the problem with just using seed isn't that it doesn't work. It's just that until you actually obtain a healthy, mature lawn, that topsoil you put down before you put your seeding down is really susceptible to airborne weed seeds. So you might have more of an additional problem because of that. If you're laying down sod, then you're not going to experience that same problem. because We're going to have instant thick lawn. You're have instant thick lawn and right. airborne seed. We are weed seeds you just don't have an opportunity to hit the soil and to take root uh, to to mature. And we should water for how long until it starts to. Uh um, re- recommended daily for probably at least a two-week time period. Um, it doesn't take a whole lot of, uh, of water per day. You just want to be, you know, religious with it. Uh, 20 minutes a day is fine. It doesn't have to be for half an hour, an hour, or anything like that. But uh, I would say at least for the, for the two-week time period, give, give the uh, chances are the clay-based uh, sod uh, an opportunity to, to root itself. And that's going to hold and, the moisture. Too. Exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, so yeah, uh, 20 minutes a day for about a two week time period ought to do the trick. Okay, so if I got a problem area, sodding would be the way to go, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, if, especially if it is a, a larger area, yeah. If, if you've already got a, a mature uh, lawn, and I, I know that uh, Paul can certainly uh, address this, then um, uh, overseeding is, is uh, a good way of maintaining uh, a lawn that you've already got. And if you want to. Well, I was going to ask you is. Uh, when is the best time to water? We see a lot of people watering during the middle of the day. Okay, uh, cl- cloudier, cooler days. That, that it really is. Better in the morning. Is, better on the evenings. 
Yeah, uh, really a non-issue on 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 a cloud-covered, cool, cooler day. Well, this is cool, uh, Paul. I got a co-host. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see everybody watering them. Keep going, keep going. You're doing good. You're in the day, and uh, I find that that just burns. I can open grass. myself a it, beer. <laughs> it, it does. It does. It does burn the grass. Uh, plus, a higher percentage of your water simply evaporates, yes. uh, so it's a waste yeah. of water yes. and a waste of money because you're doing it on a warmer or a sunny your day so these customers out there morning evening exactly right okay okay that all makes sense and again uh, per per area i come back to that fact that 20 minutes per area uh, of, of light watering you don't have to dose any one area for any more than 20 yeah a lot of people you think know. you really got to soak yeah. it some some people overwater their lawns and uh, it, it creates more problems than, than a beneficial okay so okay what happens is when Water is running off the lawn and on the road and down the curb. Is that overwatering? Absolutely. There we go. Okay. Thanks, Paul. No problem. I can't wait for the next show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to fertilizing. Um, yes. There's spring, summer, fall, f- winter fertilizing. Like, when's the best time to fertilize in the spring and the best time for the fall? Okay. What is the temperature? It just escapes me, Paul, that grass uh, it needs to be out for grass to grow. Uh, it's 15 degrees Celsius. 15 degrees Celsius. In order for grass to grow. So just before you hit that stage in the game, so so we might base it, I don't know, average year, third week of April, you know, maybe the end mm-hmm. of April would be the time where you're going to start to see your, your grass growing, right? It's at that time that your spring fertilizer should, should be applied, right? Um, spring uh, fertilizer versus a fall fertilizer is, again, just the numbers game. What you don't want in a fall fertilizer that you do want in a spring is high nitrogen content for quick growth and color. You don't want quick growth when you're putting down a fall fertilizer at the time when your grass is going dormant, right? And we're using that fall fertilizer for what then? You're using a fall fertilizer which typically has a higher phosphorus. Is this to put the, the, the grass to sleep for the uh, winter? Like what, what are we talking about to, here? To strengthen the root system. Okay. 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 It, it's a higher phosphorus uh, or, or iron content. So what, uh, I'm sorry, sorry to interrupt. So if, if I'm going to get cheap here and I'm, I've got the fertilizer left over from the spring, I shouldn't be using that fertilizer for the fall. No, you should not. Okay. Should not. I should just keep that bag for your next spring. Exactly. I think a lot of people don't do that properly. Exactly. I th- I'm pretty sure. <laughs> That's why they um, hire me. <laughs> okay, now back to dethatching. Um, we, you explained dethatching, um, but you don't believe in aerating. Why dethatching compared to aerating? Why? Well, uh, dethatching, and I certainly do an awful lot of that come spring, is just a way of removing from your from your lawn uh, additional thatch that is built up over a one, two, three year time period. And, and the reason for the removal is so that you, you're your grass, your, your your soil breathes properly, and it's better for water water drainage. I'm not a fan personally of aeration. Number one, aesthetically, it looks absolutely awful seeing okay. all those little wee dirt plugs laying around yeah. your, your beautifully established lawn. And and they promote it as uh, good for water drainage, which it would be, you know, it certainly wouldn't decreased water drainage and uh, and for uh, better oxygen. Now the problem with I have it is I don't I don't sell my clients anything that I know for a fact they do not need. Uh, I just I never have and I never ever will. You're not going to gouge. And, and I, I just don't do that. Period. And um, no property 
is ever going to be so compacted, like the top of our desk right here, you know? No property, no soils are ever going to be that compacted that you would literally need to basically rotor till it up in order for it to become healthy again, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what uh, aerating basically is. It's a, it's a type of rotor tilling. And, okay. and it's, just, it's just not needed. Um, do I have customers that, uh, that get it done? Yes. Do I think they need to have it done? Absolutely not. That's a waste of money. Okay. You just don't really need to do it. Okay, mulching. When should I mulch? When's mulching coming in there? You're doing a good job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, thank you so much. (laughs) Much appreciated. Are you looking for a raise here? Yes, yes, yes. yes. As a matter of fact, uh, mulching for for a garden uh, or or maybe walkway purposes, uh, again, aesthetically, can can look really, really good. Uh, Mulching is is great for uh, water retention uh, as opposed to just having in a garden your your Keep the gardens more water. Exactly. And it's it's also good for, for a weed preventative as well again there there are like you know thousands of airborne weed seeds flying around all over the place and if it happens to drop on top of your mulch it'll never hit your soil and you don't have a weed problem is, so it, it's really good for that purpose is too. it true that they say cedar mulch is the best way to go I wouldn't necessarily say, especially if, maybe if it was that natural cedar mulch. And, and Does that I, keep the I, insects down or something? Uh, I heard something like that. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I don't think uh, in anyone uh, is more of a, of a retardant for, for insects than any of the other. Uh, if you're getting into using colored mulches, then you might have an issue depending on one's belief system when it comes to the coloring process and the chemical additives that are now going into right. the earth. Yeah. So if you stick with a natural cedar, if you like that, again, can look nice and, it, and it's probably a little bit more environmentally friendly. Okay. Grub and insect control. Uh, you yeah. do nematodes. Correct. First time I'd ever heard about that from you. Yes. Um, explain all about the nematode and the uh, the process. Sure. Now, nematodes, for, uh, first off, are a microorganism. They're, they're uh, a bacteria. And what they do is they actually eat... And you spray them into your yard. Um, and what they actually do is eat both the larvae at its various stages of the grub. So the grub never really develops, okay? Um, the larvae of grub. This is why people see their lawns all being dug up, right? Yeah, if you have yeah. grubs in your yeah. lawn, skunks are digging for yeah. them, it's a food source, raccoons are digging for them, right? So you never want them to be mature. Well, the the larvae that becomes the grub, you also have to look after. And that's where the nematodes really come in. They, they eat the larvae at any one stage uh, of the larvae and therefore they never develop. Those uh, silly little flies that come flying out of the ground there, those big bugs uh, yeah. around here, we yeah. know them as a June bug, you mm-hmm. know, and they're about as stupid as a bug can possibly get. And mm-hmm. they're, they're a major they problem. They, yeah. Yeah, they <laughs> and, uh, and then a little bit later on, you know, you've got your, your Japanese beetle or you've got your European uh, chaff or uh, also issues. But if the, uh, if the eggs that they lay in your ground are eaten by the nematodes, this bacterial natural organism, they'll never develop. And you spray spring and fall because uh, different bugs are... So it's done twice. Twice a year. And once you start that process, don't ever stop. Right. And that's not a sales pitch. 
That's just yeah. the truth of the matter. Because yeah. if you stop for a single season, all right, and then adult bugs come back and lay larvae again, it the thing can the start The process is again. all over again. And all you have to do is have a small percentage of your lawn get dug up by a skunk or skunk or raccoon once, and you'll become a believer in nematodes. Okay. Now, uh, just to your uh, landscaping. Yes. You, uh, I want to. I want some landscaping done. Uh, I've got a garden idea for an area. Okay. I, I give you a call and I say, okay, I need some ideas. Like, do you draw it all up? You take yes. a look at my property, the layout. Uh, how do you go about this? Yes. I, I certainly draw it all up, and it's based solely on what it is you want to obtain. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what, what are your objectives in this? Now, a, a common objective obviously might be uh, you want color, uh, you want growth uh, for an entire growing season. So again, just as some quick examples, um, number one, I'll always plant in uh, in, in bulk, not sparingly, okay? Uh, always plant in, in larger groups. So having said that, don't ever overplant because that can be an issue. Mm-hmm. But early spring, one of your first flowers that's going to come up is probably uh, a crocus, right? So in an area of this garden, we'll, we'll do some crocus bulbs to give you, and there'll still be snow on the ground when the crocuses start to come up and, and can uh, start giving a color and shortly thereafter you got daffodils and tulips and then you've got tulips and shortly thereafter you might get into some border lilies or or, uh, day lilies Um, uh, daisies come in around that mid-June through to the end of July early August Mm -hmm. Uh, one of my favorite flowers is actually cone flowers which is echinacea Uh, you can chew on the root healthy and they come in a variety of colors now exactly yeah Yeah. and and they 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 come into bloom late June and they're with you until the end of September into October sometimes. So they're a very, very beautiful, long-lasting plant. Uh, ornamental grasses, zebra grasses, an absolutely beautiful ornamental grass. Uh, some people call it tiger grass just because it's a striped grass. Mm-hmm. can grow to be about four feet. Nice focal point. Elephant grass. You'll see some people's yards will have elephant grass around and this stuff can reach like 10 to 12 feet tall. It's absolutely beautiful mm-hmm. as well. Um, focal points. Anyone garden, anyone pathway, any any uh, pergola entrance, any any uh, canopy, plan it out ahead of time. Know what it is you want. Um, uh, write your thoughts down. Design it up. Don't overplant, but plant in bulk. Now, when you do this, though, you you go home and put it all on the computer, don't you? Absolutely. And then you bring it back to the customer and say, "Here's my idea." Yes. And you take it from there. And the only time... And I could pick what colors I'd like. And the only time I don't do that is when a customer has already seen my handiwork. And 99% of the time, <laughs> they just say, you do what you think you need. Okay, that's nice. That's nice yeah. when it happens like yeah. that. Okay. You do lawn and garden cleanup. Yes. That's the fall. Yeah. Uh, you also do eaves cleaning and power washing. Mm-hmm. Who's the one that does the power washing? Power washing. Uh, Who's the one that does the eaves? <laughs> I do the eaves. That's Paul on the ladder. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's Paul up on the roof or up on the ladder. And uh, says uh, Jim on the ground collecting what he throws down yeah. to me. Um, uh, costing for stuff like that, it, it's not expensive to have done it. And usually for the eaves trough will run about 50 cents per linear foot. So if you've got 180 feet, say a standard bungalow, you know, here in Wasaga mm-hmm. Beach, might have 180 feet, uh, linear feet of eaves. Then 
then uh, you know, ninety bucks, you know, you get your eaves clean, uh, cleaned out. You know, and they and, need to do that. Oh, ab- yeah. absolutely, yeah, no doubt. Save about the it. problems for the winter. Uh, mm-hmm. pa- power washing as well. Um, got a, got an amazing power washer. Uh, it uh, does. I mean, for for decking purposes, just as an example, it runs about the same price, fifty cents per square foot, not linear foot. So if you've got a, a two hundred square foot deck or whatever, and you wanted to power wash based on how dirty it is and how much time it'll probably cost you you know a hundred bucks to get her done or 50 cents per square foot so very very reasonable okay yeah very very good during the fall you also do uh, leaf removal waste removal and garden cleanup yeah well waste removal let's face it we all want the gardens but we hate doing the cleanup yeah yeah waste removal year-round there's no lot about that if clients just have stuff that they need to take to the dump then you know that's one of the services that i uh, i offer as well leaf removal you know in the uh, in the fall time uh, is an exceptionally busy time of year um and uh, it's it's not so much the volume of clientele you have to get through it's the fact that it's done in just such a short time period mm-hmm. um rightly so Understandably so. People want to wait until 80% of all the foliage is dropped out of the trees before they feel it's warranted to come to your property mm-hmm. to clean up. Mm-hmm. Well, most years, there's not a whole lot of time between when that 80% has fallen and you get your first snowfall. So it's a you're really, really busy for a short time period trying to get to all of your properties mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's and, and if we don't get to it, then, uh, then there's always the spring. Okay. You know, okay. Always the spring. Uh, one more last thing: a tree planting. One of my neighbors, she spent an awful lot of money on a tree. I don't think it was put in the right spot. It didn't last. And um, what's the best tree to plant where? I, I wouldn't say that there was any one best tree to plant, but oh, okay. where you plant a certain uh, tree varietal uh, can can definitely make a difference. And again, back to that uh, planting it out. What's the purpose of it? Uh, an example might be if, if you just want to plant a tree for shade purposes in the summertime. You don't need shade in the winter, you need it in the summertime. Chances are, depending on the layout of your property, you'll be getting a, a, a deciduous tree of any kind. Uh, Which decidu- is what? Decidu- Deciduous being a tree that will lose its leaves in the winter. Like a maple. Um, like a maple or a oak, uh, oak a birch, okay. uh, maybe even a couple of poplars, although they grow more erect than they do wide. Yeah. An yeah. elm, a, a willow, you know. Um, uh, planting in the southwest, where most of your sun is going to be coming from, you know, especially if you have a, par- a patio area already there, you know, that that's the way to go. Um, uh, coniferous trees, your ever greens, trees that don't lose their foliage, mm-hmm. um, are generally planted for uh, for blockage purposes. I mean, they're pretty. Blue spruce is a very attractive tree, but you're going to get more use out of having a tree like that on your property if it's planted in the north or the northwest for wind-winter blockage purposes. Oh, okay. So, yes, you can have it somewhere else, but if you want a secondary, a valid third reason for putting something somewhere, those are ideas that you should also be considering. Okay, now because of the area here we've got a lot of deer they eat cedars yes i want some cedars but i don't want the deer to keep eating them right what else can i use that looks like a cedar 
junipers would be a prime example um uh, cedars uh are are a sweeter tree you 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 can snap off a twig out of a cedar tree and chew on it yourself and actually enjoy the experience they're 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 not a bitter tree at all so if you get into buying so uh, pick something bitter yes exactly pick any foliage Uh, same with certain flowers as well if you're or shrubs um anything that is bitter the the deer typically don't touch so junipers are are very bitter and they look very very similar to a cedar so if you're experiencing that uh, plant a type of juniper uh, one of my favorite juniper shrubs is the uh, yellow or golden tipped oh juniper. there you they're nice they're, they're, they're nice. absolutely and beautiful. they've got color all the time and they've even got hybrids out there uh, hybrid being you know 50 percent this 50 yeah. percent yeah that, um of cedars and junipers you know um that would be uh, more bitter as well that would be uh, a lot more deer resistant well that'll solve the problem then yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, keep wasting money every year. Have to keep transplanting different cedars. Yeah, no, go. Okay. Go better or go home. You got it. Well, this has been a loaded show, guys. I want to thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having us. Um, thank you. I always end my show with one question. Yes. You know, it's all about local. Yes. Do you gentlemen buy your underwear locally? Hello. I can honestly say I order it locally. Okay. <laughs> and Paul? <laughs> I'll go to Walmart. <laughs> you buy the fruit of the loom, I take it. Okay, the three package of Walmart. Okay, okay. Thanks, guys. You've been a great uh, great group to come in. Uh, this is uh, Victor Miller speaking with Jim Shaw and Paul McKenzie from Georgian Mowers Property Maintenance and Landscaping. They are your all-season lawn gardening landscaping property maintenance professionals. Their phone number, if you want to get in touch with them, is 705-331-6941. And the website again, Jim? It's www.georgianmowers.com. And the email address is georgianmowers at gmail.com. This is Victor Miller. Till next time, shop local. Now we are getting back to business. The preceding program is a production of Beach Booster Radio, Wasaga Beach's only truly local radio station. Download your free Beach Booster Radio app to enjoy local radio anywhere. We encourage you to interact at info at beachbooster.com. Thanks for listening.